Welcome to another episode of Yesterday's Capers. I'm Abdullah Molim, and every week I'll bring you the very best shows from the past that the world has to offer. This week we've got a Klasky and Supo head-to-head as we put rocket power up against all grown up. Yes, that's right, the Rugrats, but they're not babies anymore. And we take a special look at a special cartoon in recess. We look back and reflect on this great cartoon and how it differed from many of the other cartoons in the 90s. So, let's get started. And joining me as ever is producer Paul. Hey man, how's it going? Yeah, I'm alright, how are you? Yeah, getting there, getting there. Been a busy, busy week or two. I'll say, I'll say. But no, it's, it's been a really busy week. So much has happened, like Sean Locke. Oh my God, yeah, that, that's a huge shock to me. I don't think anybody had any idea that he had cancer. Just came out, It just came out of the blue and it was like, what the hell happened? And no, but it was uh, really, really sad. He was a really funny comedian. I never, yeah, he was funny, but he didn't like, was funny at the expense of like anybody. Yeah. He was just like, just naturally telling jokes and just being effortlessly funny. Yeah. So it was one of those things where it was just a, a big, big shock. And yeah, man, damn. Just, yeah, really, really sad news. And, uh, yeah, very sad. I mean, he was definitely one of my favorite comedians. Uh, I loved him on eight out of 10 cats and stuff like that. So, yeah, everybody, yeah, like everybody liked him on that. And it was, yeah, like I said, it was just, uh, really, really sad, really, really sad news. And, uh, yeah, but, uh, we're, we're gonna, we're gonna get started right away. And we're gonna start with Rocket Power. And this came out in August 1999, and some of the things happening in the world. A total solar eclipse is seen in Europe and Asia. In Belgrade, tens of thousands of Yugoslavs rally to demand the resignation of Yugoslav President Slobodan Milosevic. East Timor votes for independence from Indonesia, which had invaded and occupied it since 1975 in the referendum. The Thomas Crown Affair was in the cinemas. And When You Say Nothing At All by Ronan Keating. And yeah, I think it was his first uh, solo effort after after leaving um, Boyzone. Yeah. Leaving leaving them and, 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 and going solo. So uh, yeah, so, so it's a nice little song. And um, yeah, he hosts Magic FM in the mornings. Between I think eight and like ten, he he hosts. Yeah, he's um on uh, Magic FM, so you can catch Ronan Keating on there. And no, I'm not being paid by Magic FM, unfortunately. Unfortunately, won't mind, but uh, yeah, not currently. <laughs> so, Rocket Power. This was a American animated TV series created by Arlene Klasky and Gabor Supo, of course, as we all know, the creators of Rugrats. And Rocket Power revolves around the day-to-day adventures of a gang of four young friends. The adventurous and vain sports enthusiast and perfectionist Oswald Otto Rocket, his tomboyish and kind-hearted older sister Reggie Rocket, the brainy newcomer and techno whiz kid who moves from Kansas in the first episode, and Sam Squid Dullard, who is a dim-witted but loyal videographer, and then there's Maurice Rodriguez or Twister, they live in the fictional beach community of Ocean Shores, California, where they spend their free time playing extreme sports such as skateboarding, surfing, snowboarding, biking, 
street hockey and they get into various situations of overcoming the trials and challenges of growing up. Otto and Reggie live with their widowed, strict but loving dad, Ray Raimondo Rocket, who along with his best friend and business partner is the retired surfer and self-styled philosopher, Tito Makani. And they own and operate the Shore Shack, which is a restaurant and surf shop where the gang usually hang out. And in most episodes, they get involved in competitions, but end up learning that their friendship is more important than winning. So, Rocket Power. I, I thought I I had seen this, but when I was actually watching it, I didn't really recognise any of it. Did you watch any of it? Maybe I had heard of it, but I'd never, I'd never seen it. Yeah, I mean, because I was like, I was skating around that time. It's when I kind of first picked up a skateboard. So, you know, I guess it would have been kind of my cup of tea. Maybe if it was a couple of years earlier. It was a pretty decent cartoon. I thought it handled like the, like just kids being like, just having fun aspect quite well. Without, you know, because sometimes when adults make things about kids, you know, being cool, in you know, inverted commas, they kind of drop the ball. Often, but I don't think they did in this case. I don't know. It was a typical classy super cartoon where you had at least one of the kids without both parents. Because I think obviously what they do is that they try to make it as realistic as possible. It's like in a group of kids, there is every chance that one of them has divorced parents. Yeah. Like if I look in my classroom when I was a kid, yeah, there was a, a, a fair few of them who were like, yeah, our parents are separated. They're not together. And yeah, it it was normal. It's not obviously in an ideal world for kids. You want both your mum and your dad around all the time, but and and sometimes it's better for the parents not to be together, so it can be better people for the kids. You don't want to be fighting twenty four seven with the kids. Yeah, I had a couple of like um, friends with divorced parents, and it was just like, oh, are you your mum's or your dad's house today? Not the worst thing in the world. And what was I going to say? Okay, let me get the negative out of the way. I didn't think this was the best cartoon. I do think if it didn't have Klasky and Supo's name on it, I doubt it would have been greenlit. I doubt any network would have picked this cartoon up. Mm-hmm. I thought it was very basic. I thought it was very... Very basic, yeah. Very forgettable. The storyline was basic. The characters were basic. Nothing much happened in it, if you notice. Mm. Like, it was like kind of a very singular linear storyline no uh kind of intertwining storylines it's literally just like john wants a cup of tea he makes a cup of tea he has a cup of tea that, that was like the kind of overall storyline don't get me wrong sometimes i love that i think sometimes that is great and sometimes that is what i need but i don't know i just think if you're under the if your banner or and you're underneath it and it includes rugrats it includes um, as told by Ginger. But some of the voice actors were the same as Rugrats as well, right? I definitely recognise some voices in there. Probably, probably. But yeah, if you if you're if you're under the banner and you've like created some of the 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 the, the, the really really good cartoons, and it's one of those things where okay, we're just gonna do this one. Then I don't know it. Yeah, like, like I said, if it if it was me and you who pitched Rocket Power, I doubt it would make it past the first stage. So it's one of those things. I mean, it was it was it was fine. It was it wasn't awful or anything. It wasn't it didn't suck. I wasn't a huge fan of the animation as well, to be honest. I wasn't a huge fan of the the visual the visual aspect of it. it looked a bit kind of yeah. I didn't I didn't like that either. To be to be perfectly honest, I totally agree with that. But right, let's uh, talk about episodes you watch. I mean, yeah, it was it was only ten minutes each, so 
I did watch New Squid on the Block, so that is the yeah the first episode where Sam comes. I did watch that. Yeah, I did start to watch that, and I can let me. I'll I'll give my notes, and it's very to the start. So New Squid on the Block was Otto being filmed by Reggie skating. Otto doesn't want to pose for Reggie's magazine or Z- this because this really aggravates me when people shorten words to make them sound cooler or things. It does my head in. Um, so they call her magazine the Zine stupid annoying um and apparently australians do that all the time oh see this is like so they'll be like oh do you want to have lunch this arvo that's not why that's not my thing when we play like this um game online instead of throwing when instead of saying grenades people say nades and it just does my head in it's like come on omg that is totes amaze yeah i I said dude i'm i'm just gonna I'm just going to, I'll leave now and, you know, let leave you to it. But anyway, so. Whatevs. <laughs> they're, they're posing for the zine. So there's a new kid arriving on the street. Uh, his name is Sam. He's not, you know, typical, not happy about the move. And Violet Templeton, who is like the, seems to be like the village busybody woman. Everyone's got one in their street. Everyone has one. So she comes and says hello. She takes Sam to say hello to everyone. She takes him to see Merv. Uh, who has model trains and, and 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 models in general, and he's made a replica house, which is his house, like replica down to the the, the smallest detail. Basically, it's a mailbox, and it's it's quite cool. And then um, Sam tells him how to fix it, and he kind of like takes a shine to him after that. Then Violet Violet takes him to see the kids, Otto, Reggie, and Twister, and it's kind of a bit awkward at first, and that's when I stopped it. Okay, right. Let me let me see what my notes were. Yeah, they were filming, looking for someone to join their team. And obviously the new kid moves in and they're all wondering if he plays street hockey. Violet introduces herself. She takes Sam to meet people across the street. They go to see someone called Mr. Merv Stimpleton. And he's sensitive about his toys and he's proud of his creation. They're not toys, they're models. (laughs) (laughs) And then he's like, Sam's like, he knows exactly what is missing or what he needs. And obviously he's like, oh my God, that's amazing. Sam meets the kids. They all think he's a nerd. And then Sam and Reggie are talking shop about computers. And they swap laptops. And obviously, that's how they become friends. They often play street hockey. But Sam is nervous. And obviously, like, Do you ever, did you ever play street hockey in Kansas? And he's like, yeah, I played a little bit of street hockey. But this is not like what you'd expect. Sam is obviously struggling. And everyone's giving him a hard time. So Sam leaves and he goes back home. And then Sam ends up working on the zines poster. And they realize that Sam could end up being a great goalie because he's like catching everything his way. And they have a team for the quad game. And they're playing against some older kids and they're winning. And the older kids aren't too happy about this. And obviously it's a, a humbling defeat for them. Kids don't have the puck, but Sam finds a knee puck and they find him and they call him basically the new squid as in new squid on the block so i watched an episode next called power girl surfers otto surfing zach prezak comes and he's from this um from the gnarly surf magazine and he wants to do a cover story on him which is a big deal obviously reggie gets the ump because she wants to be part of that magazine and he says no one cares about girl surfers um so reggie goes out and shows him but he's not paying attention Reggie's decides that right she's going to show them look how you know good girls are um so she goes to see this girl called trish who's like this amazing surfer she's not interested she wants to uh what does she say she wants to make waves not no she wants to ride waves not make waves so then she goes and seeks the help of violet 
who drives them down to a beach with loads of girl surfers on it and she kind of rallies the troop and then um, she's they're all like oh is trish coming and like, she's like no i don't count on it but then trish comes uh so they go to the beach where the photo shoot's taking place the next day instead of like getting this guy magazine she's getting her own magazine to cover it um and they, you know everyone's kind of really interested but she, and then she's like i ain't interested in you then otto ends up saying sorry to her like you're sorry for trying to kind of steal your thunder all the time he decides to go on reggie's magazine instead uh and that, instead of uh going with this guy the next p- episode on this part was called twisted cinema at Twister's party, everyone's um, enjoying a video he made of like Otto skating. And then during the credits, it's basically just him wiping out and all the outtakes. Otto's not happy about it because everyone's laughing at him. Otto's trying to do a move that will impress everyone since like he's now kind of the, the joke of the town. Uh, so Otto and Twister have fallen out and Sam's been promoted to Otto's best mate. Sam doesn't want to skate. He's always getting hurt in Otto's um, uh, shenanigans. The grown-ups basically tell Twister to apologize to Otto because he shouldn't have done what he did even if he didn't he said even if he didn't mean to sometimes you gotta suck it up and say sorry anyway Otto's still mad and Twister's scared to talk to him so he asked Reggie to help talk to him and so she gets Twister to secretly film one of uh, Otto's new tricks and then he shows the video to everyone to to make amends and it's not him falling over this time it's him making like awesome skate moves and he shows it to them they're all mates again and then Sam gets demoted to squid again I watched an episode called Father's Day Off. And so Sam's dad, Doug, is talking to him from Kansas. And he's like, hey, son, I'm coming to you visit. And obviously, Sam is so excited. But obviously, mom is very skeptical because she knows what Doug was like. And she's like, yeah, okay, cool. He's coming, whatever. So he's in town. He's meeting Sam's new friend. He's meeting everybody. And obviously, he wants to make himself look like the cool dad. So he's like, hey, kids, how about we all go together and let's all hang out together? But obviously, Sam just wants to spend a bit of time with his old man. And he's not too happy about that. And every event that they do and every activity they do, he's always on the phone. They're going laser, going to the laser crater and obviously Reggie's kind of noticing that Sam isn't too happy because obviously he's spending all the time on his phone. All his friends think that his dad is cool because he's like, let's go and have some ice cream. Let's go and do this. Let's go and do that. And obviously they're all, they're all aren't too happy about that. And obviously he's just on the phone and he's just doing business all the time. Doug is still on the phone and he actually ends up going to the hotel. Sam tries to see Doug in his hotel room, but he, he, um, because the thing is, Sam like made this car for Doug, like he designed it for him. And obviously, he's like, Oh, thanks, son. And he just like shoves it in the back of the car, like whatever. And so he's trying to see his dad in his hotel room, but he just leaves a car for him there. And obviously, Doug sees it and he's like, Oh my god, it's amazing. And he's like, Look, I'm sorry for just being absent or whatever, and I want to spend the day with my son and we just want i just want to hang out with you and that episode ends last episode i watched was from season three called enter the hawk tricks the kids are all watching tony hawk and he's basically doing his thing but tony hawk goes missing and the rumors is that he may never skate again otto is devastated and he wants to find tony hawk and they're trying to use sam to find him the scary thing was that he could find tony hawk on the internet just like that and they find the hawk's nest where he stays. And so they're all going there. They have to skate across the room and to like get through the door. Otto sets off the alarm. The alarm is a puzzle that they have to figure out. 
Sam is basically telling them which way they should go. They're skating their way through each of the rooms. Squid and Otto get separated from the others. Reggie and Sam are somewhere else and they all catch up. The place goes to go- the place goes dark and Tony Hawk ends up skating with a glowing skateboard and the kids join in. The kids finally make it to the nest. So Otto's trying to talk to Tony Hawk, but Tony Hawk says that he's not quitting. He just wanted a break. And he thinks Otto is great at skating. And obviously he's like, why is your place such a big secret? And he's like, it's not a big secret. There's the big sign where it says Tony Hawk's nest. And they all get to skate with Tony Hawk. And that's how that episode ended. Did you see that video? This is related to Tony Hawk. Did you see the video of the little kid saying, can you give this skateboard to Tony Hawk, to the mailman? And and this guy like kind of took this video viral and said, look, um, I need to get this skateboard. This little kid asked me to get this skateboard to Tony Hawk. And then Tony Hawk sent them like two or three skateboards and came by, took pictures with him and stuff like that. That sick guy. That would never be me. I don't, I don't think skateboarding really, I'm, I'm about that life. I just love it. I was rubbish at it, but I loved it. <laughs> Which is probably why, yeah, I didn't really click with this show in that in that sense. But uh, no, that's all right. It is what it is. And uh, any last words? No, it's, it was all right. Yeah, that will do. Next up, we've got All Grown Up. And this came out in April 2003. And some of the things happening in the world. Hungary approves joining the European Union in a referendum. The Human Genome Project is completed. 99% of the human genome sequenced to 99.99% accuracy. The United States announced the withdrawal of its troops stationed in Saudi Arabia and the redeployment of some at the Al Udaid Air Base in Qatar. Anger management was in the cinemas. And Seven Nation Army by the White Stripes was in the charts. <sighs> I hated this song so much. It was just the most irritating, overplayed song ever. Well, it's a good job you don't like football then. Do they play it in football? It's, it's, it's become like an anthem now. Look, I mean, it probably wouldn't have been that bad, but it's just... No, because it has like that... It's got like a repetitive sort of rhythm, hasn't it? So it's like... It's very football chant friendly. Yeah, it's one of those things where everyone just is like, po, 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 po. I mean, Italy kind of took that on board at the 2006 World Cup and it just kind of, it became it became like a, a thing of its own. Like, it's, it's not necessarily known for being a song by the White Stripes. It's basically a, a football stadium song. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I've, I've listened to it so many times. It's just overplayed for me. All grown up now. So this was a American animated TV series created by once again Arlene Klasky, Gabriel Supo, and Paul Germain as a continuation of their children's series Rugrats. The series explores the daily lives of protagonist Tommy Pickles and his childhood friends, now adolescents. The concept for the series was based on the episode All Grown Up, which served as the series' tenth anniversary special and proved successful with audiences. Obviously, it's Tommy, Dill, Chucky, Phil, Lil, Kimmy, Angelica, and Susie. They're now tweens or teens, and they have to deal with the various issues and situations that occur during this age. And as the show has aged, so has the characters, as episodes often involve the cast dealing with common issues of pre-teens and teenagers. The special, so I'm guessing all grown up, was nominated for Outstanding Children's Program in 2002, Creative Arts Emmy Awards, 
The special was the highest rated Rugrats episode, the highest rated Nickelodeon program and the cable's number one show for the week ending July 22nd, 2001, with a 7.2 rating equivalent to 12 million viewers. Approximately 70% of all kids aged 2 to 11 tuned in to watch the special. Nickelodeon president Herb Scannell noted that a surprising number of kids held Rugrats parties on Saturday night and watched the show in groups. The following day, Nickelodeon said, and I quote, we've got to make this a show because of the size of the audience that came to it. Noting the immediate popularity of the show's concept, All Grown Up was deemed the network's equivalent of the Super Bowl and Nickelodeon made a two-season order pretty much right away. However, Common Sense Media felt that the show's scenario was not as good as the original series, commenting that they were thoughtfully crafted but lacked the satiric take of babies, misunderstanding the adult world. Rather, the show was choosing to tackle more standard pre-teen themes. The Los Angeles Times stated that it was a revolutionary idea for a series with characters perpetually stuck in the status quo. Image felt all grown up was the natural progression of the show, but Games Raider felt it was an ill-advised adventure. CBR had said, the sense of adventure and exploration of the original had been lost, though special personality they had as babies vanished in a haze of pupubescent insecurities, though felt it was a fun what-if. NYU argued the show didn't pursue the character's progression with a sense of accuracy. The gamers thought it was a terrible excuse for a sequel. Chicago Tribune wrote that in the new series, Angelica has become an overbearing teen, still bossing around Tommy and his chums. Rugrats co-creator Paul Germain has admitted that he was not a fan of the idea of a spin-off where the babies are all grown up because he thought it wouldn't make any sense as the original series was about babies who don't understand the world. So what did you think? Do you agree with uh, the some of the negative reviews? I can see where they come from. Absolutely. But I don't agree with them. No, I don't think it was that badly executed. It was. I thought it was pretty good for a spin-off. Spin-offs are normally absolute trash. And this wasn't trash at all. Um, I wasn't absolutely clear on their ages, to be honest, until you were telling me. Um, because they still look like babies. <laughs> but yeah, I think for a spin-off, this wasn't bad. No, no. And... If you want babies, go watch Rugrats. If you want, yeah, if you want, if you want babies, if you want them to be acting around and not understanding the world and mispronouncing words, go watch Rugrats. I thought this was really, really good. I did like it. You said a review something to to the effect of they didn't follow their their characters or whatever like this. I completely disagree with that. I, I thought it was like, um, like Phil and Lil, for example, were Phil and Lil, and I loved that. Angelica was Angelica, and you can just see how like, that that girl would would continue to be like that, but just in a bigger way. Tommy and Chucky's relationship was 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 much the same, and Chucky was like fighting with his child self to be a you know a bit more grown up and a bit brave, but he still has that that shy kid inside him. Yeah. I, I'd 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 disagree with that part of it definitely. Yeah, no, I I ended up really liking the show, like watching it. I I really liked it. The theme tune was, was good. Doing it, yeah, yeah, it, it was all right. But um, honestly, I just thought that they they because obviously all growed up the episode where where they kind of explored the idea of them being a kid, of of them being a teenager up a little bit or like. Pre-teens, I, I would have said between the ages of twelve to about 
14, 15. That was like how old they all were. But the fact that All Growed Up was such a success, they had to tap into that market. They had to. There was a market emerged. If you if you're getting up to twelve million people watching one episode of a of a of a of a concept, then there's every chance that the audience, or at least a, a sizable chunk of that audience, are gonna want to see. Oh, what if they were grown up? And what if I saw it on a regular basis? And and that's what it was. And I thought they did a a good job with it. I I really really liked all grown up. I I didn't watch it as much as a as a kid growing up I, I did see it on tv and whatever but I, I i never really watched it but i was sitting down i was watching it and yeah i i really enjoyed it it was it was a good evolution of 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 the rugrats and yeah i thought i thought they did they did a good job with it i've i've got no complaints and i couldn't disagree more with the negative reviews yeah i, I agree to be honest like i said there were aspects that i can see I think it was like you said. Was, I completely agree with what you said. It was, it was it was a good it was a good show. I really liked it. I mean, I didn't watch it as a kid. I didn't really know that it was a thing. Obviously, learn you know, when we did the Rugrats and things like that. Then yeah, obviously, I started to learn that. Did you never watch the All Growed Up episode? Of no, Rugrats? I never never did. It's, yeah, it's like one of the one of the most significant and one of the best Rugrats episodes. Definitely. It's like a two-parter and everything. I can remember watching it as a kid and thinking, "Oh my god, they're all grown up!" And as as it as it pertains to the the title, all grown up. But no, I thought I thought I thought I thought it was good. And right, let's let's get into episodes. Right. So I watched just the one episode, but it was called Susie Sings the Blues. Is that the first one? No, the first one was Coop Deville. Oh, I didn't watch that. I will talk about that episode. So it starts off with Phil, Lil, and their mum Betty. And they're basically playing video games. And then she's like, right, we've got to go. Shake her leg, kids. And then obviously Phil and Lil are like shaking their legs uh, as, as, as a thing. And so at lunch, Lil is trying to sit with popular kids, but she likes a boy called Brett. And gets invited to a cool party. But they don't want to invite Phil at the party because he's SI, which means he's socially inept. And you know what? Dill was my favorite character in the Rugrats, and he's my favorite character in this. No, he wasn't in the episode that I watched. So he's such a little weirdo, but I love it. I love him for it. I think <laughs> Dill is just great. He's basically sniffing food. He's got his blindfold and he's sniffing everybody's food, and he knows each one it is. And so Lil is thinking that um, Phil is immature. We see that Chaz and Betty are working at a cafe called Lava Java or Java Lava. Couldn't know which way it was. Meanwhile, Tommy and Chucky are struggling with uh, rope climbing and PE in general. Chucky hates it. And he ends up falling off when he's trying to climb. There's a science project and Phil and Lil are partners. But obviously Phil doesn't want to work with... Lil doesn't want to work with Phil. And... Crushy, like she's just like, yeah, I don't want to work with you. You're just like lame and and, and all of those things. Phil and 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 Lil is like, I don't really want to do the whole twin thing anymore because it's always Phil and Lil, Phil and Lil, Lil and Phil. I just want to be Lil or Lillian. There's this whole thing that they do, which is called Twin Canyon, and Lil doesn't want to go to that because she's like, I just want to be on my own, like leave me alone. Chucky ends up refusing to go to physical education or PE. Because he hates sweating and he hates the whole test. And obviously Tommy's like, look, you can't miss it. Otherwise, the teacher's going to be on your case. 
the the so what was it? What was the name of the Devils? It was Betty and it was Tom. I think it's Tom. I hope it's Tom. And they're trying to talk and they're trying to figure out how to go to Twin Canyon because obviously they get freebies if they take twins along. But then obviously if this is one of them, then they can't go. Lil says that she's moving rooms. But uh, obviously Phil's like, I don't want to move rooms. I don't want to change. But obviously Betty's like to him, you get in your own room, dude. And obviously Phil doesn't like the changes. And so Dill is like to Phil, you know what? I'll be your twin. And he's wearing exact same clothes as Phil. <laughs> and he's just like, I'll be your twin. And Dill is like, okay, I don't want to be twins anymore because I think he makes like a mashed potato sculpture of them and Phil eats it. And then Dill's like, oh, I can't believe you ate that. I don't want nothing to do with you. Coach is wondering where Chucky is. And he's basically in the toilet causing a flood. Coach finds Chucky and he's impressed with his contortion skills because obviously he's like hanging off the uh, the pipes and, and whatnot. Lil is at the cool party. All the other kids are like taking a mick out of Phil. Lil isn't happy with them and she defends her brother. And obviously she realizes that the whole twin thing is a strong bond. And she goes to Phil and says, I do want my own space, but obviously we're still twins. And they end up going to Twins Canyon and they have fun and they're watching the tape back. Good opening episode, I thought. And uh, yeah, talk about yours. So I watched one called Susie Singing the Blues. Now, this was a really, really good episode. So uh, Susie starts off Susie singing National Al- national Anthem in this like kind of school hall. Angelica's giving a hard time saying like, you're rubbish for singing. But in actual fact, Angelica's rubbish and Susie's really good. And his manager comes, it's, you know, woman in a suit kind of like says, you know, if you ever want to uh, take this, start taking this seriously, you know, here's my card. Angelica try, tries to like poach the manager, but she's rubbish. Goes to Chucky and he thinks he's boring. So he's going to reinvent himself as Chuck and he's going to be brave and he's going to be adventurous and all this and the other. Um, so Chucky's dad is, needs to make money in his coffee shop. And Angelica says, let's have a talent show, bring all the punters because um, she just wants to sing because she thinks she's really good. So Susie's talking to her parents about a music career and they said, look, forget your music career. You need to focus on your academics. Like Hardly anyone makes it in the music industry, so concentrate on your school. She doesn't tell them about the manager situation. So Angelica's given it the big end at school and said, you know, like I'm going to be in this talent show. You know, I've got my backup singers and stuff like this. And so Susie speaks to the manager and they said, oh, look, listen, we're going to need a thousand dollars from you so that we can uh, use the studio and this and that and the other. And it's kind of, she started like, you start getting the impression that she's like properly grooming her. So Chuck and Tommy are causing issues in the school. They're sticking shoes to the ceiling. They're winding up the Mr. What's his name? I've forgotten his name. The big teacher who's quite scary. Uh, Susie, so Susie needs this money, right? So she goes and asks her sister for it. She says like, you know, kind of like, I don't want to go to mum and dad because they're, you know, they're not, they're not on board. And then, so the sister gives the money to her and says, like, you know, don't tell anyone about it. Uh, Tommy and Chucky end up getting caught, but then the teacher is kind of a sensitive guy, writes poetry. He's massive, you know, this guy's a wrestler. He's huge, shouts at everyone, but he's got a sensitive side. He writes poetry, and they said, why don't you come to the talent show, read your poems, basically trying to get out of being in trouble. Uh, Susie goes to the address at the uh, after giving the money to the manager, she goes to the address that's on the card. But it's empty, and then this guy tells her, listen, you're not the first one. Um, there's never been a recording studio here. 
like you've been had kind of thing her sister goes like she tells her sister but and she kind of like goes bonkers on her and says like you know you're lucky all they took was a thousand dollars this could have gone like super bad for you susie's really sad but she eventually ends up going to the talent show and everyone loves her singing that's the end of the episode but it's quite good because like what i liked is she didn't get her money back like it wasn't like a you've been had but it's okay because if you're had then maybe there's a chance it was like i know you got had it could have been much worse you only lost a thousand dollars think yourself lucky kind of thing good stuff so i watched another episode called bad aptitude so the kids they're at a career carnival tommy wants to be a filmmaker and obviously he's all excited about that and they have to take an aptitude test Howie, I believe his name is, not Tom. So Betty and Howie are trying out new popcorn flavors at the Java Lava. The scores are out for the career day. So Lil was set to be a wedding planner. Kimmy, a film critic. Phil is an air model. Chucky, a race car driver. And Tommy as a businessman. And Dill is a motivational speaker. And so Chucky isn't too happy about his one, whereas Phil is just like modeling about everywhere. Tommy is like, I want to be a filmmaker, but obviously he gets approached by the business leader entrepreneur club or Black. And Tommy is interested and he tells him about his movie Gesundheit. There's a big movie premiere for at the Java Lava. Chucky's driving around the skip and he crashes it and he loves it. Everyone's pretending to like the movie and the black kids are all at the back and they're like Tommy with these thumbs up, but nobody really likes the film because this is basically about people sneezing. It's like a really not a good video. And Dill is trying to motivate Tommy because he's a motivational speaker. And then he tries to motivate the ants. And Kimmy gives a movie review in the school. And Tommy accidentally gives Blackie an idea and they take it on board. Dill doesn't want Tommy to be a Blackie and he wants him to kind of stay being arty. Dill is organizing an evening for Tommy's classic movie called Tom Dance Film Festival. And then Tommy uses that as to announce that he's retiring from filmmaking. And Tommy ends up wearing a suit and then Chucky's getting approached by the skaters. Tommy's selling products and Dill is trying to get him away from all of that. People think Kimmy is pretentious. And Phil decides that he doesn't want to be a model because he has to give up junk food. And Lil doesn't want to be a wedding planner anymore. Tommy's giving tips to a new filmmaker and Tommy's telling Chucky that he doesn't have to do this um, new thing that he's doing with his old skating if he doesn't want to do it. Dill has a camera for Tommy to film. He realized that motivational speaking isn't for him. So Tommy grabs the camera, films Chucky and obviously Chucky's like, I don't really want to do that. And so the black kids are unhappy because they have to give people their money back with the whole Chucky falling over. But then Tommy gives them an idea so they can sell their commercial with with merch. So Tommy will film a black commercial and it will come with merch. And obviously they were really happy about that. Another episode I watched was called Wouldn't It Be Nice? Susie is nominated for a scholarship, but Angelica's not bothered. And she ends up going to a life skills seminar with Chucky. Tommy, Phil, Tommy, Lil and Phil want to skip school to get an autograph of their favorite football player. And he's... Niels, Niels Stanton was his name. Just a fake football player, doesn't exist. And so in the life skills, 
class, they have to plan a wedding and make provisions for children. And they have to remember the three C's, which was communication, cooperation, and compromise. And Angelica wants to partner up with someone called Daryl, but uh, it doesn't work out like that. So she has to partner up with Susie. And Chucky ends up partnering with someone called Leslie. Susie's getting really excited about her scholarship and they're going on a field trip. They're at a wedding shop looking at costumes. Angelica gets stuck and Susie in the dress and Susie's trying to help her out the dress. But the class have left her. Phil is getting paranoid about seeing Betty and Howie, his parents. And obviously Dill finds out that Tommy was ditching school. And so he goes with them. Susie realizes that her bag is missing and they're trying to go back to the bridal shop. Harold tells Chucky to find a common interest with Harold, Harold, Harold. I, that could be the guy's name, the big, the big brutey guy. No, Harold is a student. Sorry, Harold is a student in, in his class. And he's saying that in order to get to know your partner, then you should try and find a common interest. Angelica and Susie get lost in Koreatown. And Angelica spends the last of their money on like dumplings or something like that. And she's and then obviously Susie's like, you spent our money, you idiot. Angelica and Susie are trying to help each other. And then they bump into a lady and she helps them get to the shop. Meanwhile, the event for the footballer Niall Stanton is closed, but Phil demands that Dill gets an autograph. The teacher is admiring the principal's sensitivity when it comes to the kids. And it turns out that Chucky's partner was deaf in one ear. And Susie realizes that sometimes the journey is better than the destination, and they all manage to get their they manage to get their bag from the shop, but they're still bickering along the way. And Tommy, Dill, and then obviously, I think the teachers had originally called the police for Susie and Angelica. While Tommy, Dill, Phil and Lil, and they're like going home and the police just pulls up on them because obviously they're like missing kids. They don't know who it is. And obviously they're like, we're sorry, we played hooky and, and, and whatnot. And then the finale was called Golden Boy. And Grandpa is having a yard sale and he's telling Tommy, Tommy and Dill that they can have what they like. And Tommy can't go to the baseball game because he's trying to get back with his ex. It's like a tradition that they used to have, but Dill goes instead. And Drew and Stu, they don't want Grandpa's old car. But they're like fighting over going, you have it. No, you have it. No, you have it. Drew has it. And Dill and Grandpa, they have a great time at the baseball game. And Tommy's like, he's got a little bit of FOMO which is a fear of missing out, if you didn't know. But obviously, yeah, the fear of missing out, or he's, he's, he's had the fear already, whatever. And they basically have this thing where he's got world's best grandson and world's best grandfather. And then they're like, here you go, Tommy, you can have this one. And it's like world's best yodeler. And grandpa says that Tommy and Dill can go fishing together. But obviously, yeah, because Grandpa's like, oh, I asked Dill if he wants to go fishing. And obviously, Tommy's like, we go fishing. That's our thing. And so Grandpa's like, okay, why don't you come together? And obviously, Tommy's like, I want to be the number one grandson. It's not you. It's me. But obviously, Dill's like, yeah, yeah, I'm, I don't care. Like, I, I'm not bothered. Obviously, Dill's like, yeah, I'm not bothered. I'm just, I'm just here to have a good time. And then obviously, Dill's like, if you want me to be all competitive with you, Tommy, I will. I like that he has the clappers, so he's just like turning the lights off going, yeah, I don't care, Tommy. I'm just going to go to sleep. 
turns the light on and then Tommy's switching it back on going, I'm the number one grandson. And Dill's like, sure, whatever you say. Dill is awesome. Dill is awesome. I love Dill. He's great. Yeah, so Tommy and Dill, they're competing throughout. And obviously Dill's getting the best of Tommy. Catches is like a really big epic fish. And obviously Dill puts back the fish he caught. And yeah, I think Dill has this like mosquito thing and like he puts it on and he puts it on grandpa and Tommy's like, I don't really care. I'm not bothered. And Tommy's struggling with mosquitoes and now he's got leeches. And Dill whispers to the leeches and they all come off Tommy. And obviously Tommy's like, oh, now that you threw all the fish in the sea, what are we going to have for breakfast then? Genius. And Dill makes like the best breakfast and he's outstaging Tommy and they're going on a hike. And they want to go to Dead Man's Peak, but Grandpa's worried. And Tommy and Dill are like, right, we're going to go to the top of it. And they make it to the top. And Grandpa collapses from heat exhaustion. He needs food and water, so they carry him down. Drew and Stu end up throwing the car down a cliff. And Tommy is telling Dill how different his relationship is with his grandpa. Because he can talk to him. And yeah, so they're in the hospital and they're like just kind of talking about it. And they're like, oh, should we have coffee? And they're like, I don't know. I've never had coffee before. Like, oh, that's what people do in the hospital. They just drink coffee. Take a sip of coffee. And they're like, oh, we don't like coffee. It's disgusting. Just like typical kids. Tommy and Dill apologize to their grandpa. Grandpa writes something down in a letter and he's like, you are not allowed to open it until I'm gone. And we realize that grandpa was faking it. And he did it to stop Tommy and Dill from fighting. And Grandpa's like to Drew and Stu, you idiots, that car was a valuable car. Why did you throw it down a cliff? And Tommy and Dill look at the letter and it says, gotcha. Yeah, it was a, it was a genuinely good TV show in its own right, obviously. But I, I don't think it would have... Would it have worked as its own show without Rugrats? Who knows? I mean, the, the fact that it was the Rugrats kids... Just added so much more to it, so yeah, it, it gave it the kind of like the weight and the and the clout that it needed to kind of go on TV. So yeah, would it yeah would it work as a standalone show? I don't know, but as 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 a continuation of the Rugrats, I thought they did a really good job with it. Yeah, I completely agree. Yeah, yeah. Now we have to choose between Rugrats and Rocket Power. I mean, not Rugrats, but all grown up. All grown up. I think we can. I can be quietly confident and say that we both got exactly the same result today, <laughs> with uh, Rock Rats being first, all grown up being first, and Rocket Power being second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um, all grown up, and it's not. It's not even close, really. To be honest with you, I mean, Rocket Power was fine, but yeah, it wasn't yeah. a bad cartoon. Uh, it's just not. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. And yeah, so this is Klasky and Supo doing what they do best, and uh, yeah. Good job. Right now, we're going to talk about Recess. And this show came out in September 1997. And some of the things happening in the world. Obviously, the funeral of Diana. Princess of Wales takes place at Westminster Abbey. It's watched by over 2 billion people worldwide. The Dublin Regulation on Treatment of Application for Right of Asylum under European Union law comes into force. Scotland votes in favour of a devolved parliament forming the Scottish Parliament less than two years later. The Full Monty was in the cinemas. 
Amazing film. And Sunshine by uh, Dario G was in the charts. Recess Now. So this was a American animated TV series created by Paul Germain and Joe Ansolabhe. If I said that wrong, I'm sorry. Or Paul and Joe. And produced by Walt Disney Television Animation. It focuses on six elementary school students and their interaction with other classmates and teachers. The title refers to the recess period during the daily schedule in the North American tradition of education and schooling. When students are not in lesson and are outside in the schoolyard, during recess, the children form their own society, complete with government and their class structure, set against the backdrop of a regular school. A major satirical point of the show is that the community of students at school is a microcosm of the traditional human society and they're ruled by a monarch who is a sixth grader named King Bob who has various enforcers to make sure that his decrees are carried out. The society has a long list of rigid values and social norms that imposes a high expectation of conformity among all the students. Recess is illustrated to be a symbol of liberty a time when children can express themselves and develop meaningful relationships. Most episodes involve one or more of the main six characters seeking a rational balance between individuality and social order. They are often defending their freedom against perceived threats by adults and school administration or social norms. The group's leader, TJ Detweiler, tends to have most complete vision of this struggle, though even he has times when he inadvertently leaves the group too far toward an extreme of conformity or non-conformity and needs to be drawn back to even ground by his friends. The interpretation is confirmed by the Cold War motifs found throughout the show. For example, Miss Grotke's philosophical and activist attitudes attributed to her belonging to the counterculture of the 60s is juxtaposed by the authoritarian and conservative views of her colleagues such as Miss Finster and Principal Prickly. The presence of government officials either confiscating objects for national security or removing persons for challenging authority serve as subtle reminders on the authority of the US government. Several references by the show's characters convey the fraught political realities of the Cold War period. In episode 1985, in episode 85, here comes Mr. Perfect. Randall suggests blackmailing a student for being a supposed communist, while in the episode The Substitute, Mr. E demands a student write an essay on why it's wrong to bully people unless it's in the geopolitical interests of the United States. That's telling. And Cold War themes are most seen in episode 101, The Secret Life of Grotke, where Miss Grotke is suspended by the recess gang as an anti-American spy due to her mysterious after-school life, as well as the Army-Navy game where TJ masquerades as a Soviet spy to bring Gus and Teresa's military fathers to reconcile. The show's introductory music, art design and style often evoke the feel of prison escape movies, such as The Great Escape and the playground hierarchy and school administration were often depicted in ways that paid homage to common themes in such films. Additionally, many episodes parody classic films such as Cool Hand Luke, The Good, The Bad and The Ugly, and On Her Majesty's Secret Service. The characters. So there was Theodore Jasper Detweiler, or TJ, 
He's the leader of his five best friends and usually spends time planning pranks against the teachers. His catchphrase is Womps, which he uses as a child-friendly substitute swear word for something unpleasant as well. So when he says, this Womps, Vincent Pierre LaSalle, or Vince, he's the most physically fit student at Third Street School, along with his superior athletic ability, comes off as a bit of a jock, but in the end, he always knows how to make the best choice to help others. Ashley Funicello Spinelli, or yeah, Spinelli, she's a wrestling fan and a tomboy of the group. Although short in stature of her age, Spinelli maintains a tough guy image, is powerful and often tries to use violence to solve her problems. Gretchen Priscilla Grundler, academically gifted and extremely intelligent student, a child prodigy, she has shown the ability for academic feats at that other students in her grade find difficult. Michael Bloomberg, or Mikey, who's overweight, kind-hearted, philosophical nine-year-old, he writes poetry, performs ballet, and believes in notions of peace that are often dismissed by the others. Gus Patton Griswold, or or Gustave Patton Griswold, or Gus, comes from a military family, and although he is shy, meek, he, is a, he has great leadership abilities when in the face of danger. Muriel P. Finster, who's an elderly assistant teacher who monitors the students during lunch, recess, and in the halls. She's an assertive authoritarian feared by the students and seeks to help them in line to maintain order. Principal Peter Prickley, who is the uh, former student at the school, and he became a teacher out of a, des out of a desire to help children and has been principal of Third Street School since 1968. Randall C. Weems, well-known as the Playground Snitch, a.k.a. Karen Randall, and he always is informing Miss Finster of any playground misbehavior. He's disliked on the playground as a result, but will ally with his classmates if the situation calls for it. Miss Alordane Grokey, who's a fourth grade teacher. She's known for a mild manner, yet eccentric personality, basically being that of a hippie, including her vocabulary. King Bob, who enforces the unwritten rules of the playground established by other previous playground kings and acts as the primary authority of playground disputes. The Ashleys, who are a group of four girls. So there's Ashley Armbruster, Ashley Boulette, Ashley Quinlan, and Ashley Tomasian. So Ashley A, Ashley B, Ashley Q, and Ashley T. And they usually act like the stereotypical popular girl cliche, including being well-off and obsessing with fashion and beauty often put down others either verbally or through a variety of underhanded schemes, resulting in them being seldom popular with anybody, even being ostracized by many. They have a mutual despisement with Spinelli due mainly to her first name being Ashley and her outright refusal to join their group, as well as her frequent hostility towards them. Their catchphrase is saying, ooh, scandalous in unison. They each have a little brother named Tyler, and they are collectively known as the Tylers, and a little sister named Brittany, who are collectively known as the Brittanys. So, Recess. I remember when this came out, and it was one of those shows, it was like everyone was talking about this show. You get a couple of them 
in your childhood that you know that everyone seemed to watch and this is one of them i mean disney may be controversial to say absolutely smashed it out of the park when it comes to movies but dropped the ball so many times when it came to tv shows i you know some of the, some of the tv shows weren't that good anyway recess wasn't one of those things it was amazing and it was like everyone was watching it uh at a cool theme tune and if you talk to any of the guys or girls our age now that for sure they're going to say yeah recess was amazing maybe because it was just one of those you know from those times when we had four or five channels to choose from and you know there weren't that many decent cartoons on all the time um yeah and to be honest i was watching it again this time and completely held up i thought it was really good yeah i mean i don't know if disney had that bad of a track record when it came to tv shows i think there were a lot of really good stuff that they did. I mean, off the top of my head, I'll say Proud Family was really, really good. So yeah, I'm going to defend Disney a little bit here. I think I think some of their TV shows were good. Maybe one or two might not have been, but a lot that we have done were were actually fairly fairly decent. In fairness, so I'm I'm not. Yeah, I mean, I've got to give you a shout out to uh, Disney Plus to be fair, because Disney Plus is getting so much better than it was. Well, they're just, they're just throwing stuff in there because I think they own Fox now, don't they? I don't know, do they? Or 21st Century Fox. Uh, they've got so many cool movies on there now, like uh, Disney movies and non-Disney movies and the whole Star Wars collection, the whole Marvel collection. They've got so much on there. I'm, we're not you know, we're not getting paid by Disney or anything like that, but I'm just saying. like it's They own them all. Yeah, That's I'm, not, why. I'm not that sad about it. It's quite good. <laughs> yeah, they... they, they, uh, they, they... They own them all, and yeah, I think Anastasia was on there, and I was watching it the other day, and I thought, damn, this film is still slept on, man. I've not seen that film. I know of it. The, the, the cartoon, Anastasia. Yeah, 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 I know of it. Is it the, is it the Russian princess one? Yes. The Russian princess who supposedly survived, but... Yeah, because that's quite a dark story, isn't it? She didn't survive. Cut a long story short, Anastasia did not survive. Sadly, she died with the other Romanovs in that little cellar. Because the, 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 the palace got stormed, right, or something like that. And... Well, no, because what happened was, okay, little history lesson. So when the Bolsheviks kind of took over, they just kind of like took the whole family, the, the, the Tsar, Tsar Nicholas II, I think it was, and the whole Romanov family just basically locked them up. And they're like, we really don't know what to do with them. And obviously you still had people still fighting for the Tsar. And... It was one of those things where maybe we won't kill them. Maybe we'll just like leave them there and just leave them in exile and whatever. And then for whatever reason, they decide, you know what? We need to just kill them. Just, 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 just kill them. Kill a lot of them, whatever. And yeah, they were, they were all in a room and they were posing for a picture and they all basically got gunned down. It's what happened, essentially. Brutal. And yeah, I think they even like, they did like some like digging or whatever, not digging, but like they obviously found where some of their bodies were found and they were like, we found the remains of Anastasia and the little boy. I think it was um, little Nicholas, whatever. But yeah, yeah, they, they, yeah. And and Anastasia did not make it up out of it. So that was, uh, it's probably like a nice little story to tell people. Of, of 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 that but no the whole the whole thing was 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 brutal af but no anastasia is a very good it's a, it's a cute little cartoon i think thumbelina's on there as well and i think that's a hell of a cartoon as well that was the first film i ever watched in the cinema and i was 
super, super young when it came out. Um, and I wasn't interested in it. I bet because it was a musical, wasn't it? Probably, but I know oh, I was. It was, it was. It was a musical, yeah. What year did it come out? Because I remember being. I remember being in the cinema. I remember exactly. Ninety-five, I, I would say. Ninety-four, not bad. There we go. Yeah, I think Barry Manilow did the musical score as well. So you can tell, you know, there was all of those catchy little songs and. Uh, yeah, um, yeah, I don't remember. Do you remember a film called Fern Gully? The name rings a bell. It's kind of a film about deforestation, I think. And that's all we have time for the Disney chat. Join us next week for a little interlude where we talk about Disney Plus and all of the cool stuff on there. But no, yeah, I, I, I yeah, I am going to defend Disney for their uh, record on uh, TV shows because it's not as nearly as bad as you painted out. It, it, it's not okay. When 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 they've come up with Proud Family, I did like um, I did like Darkwing Dark Ducktales. Tell me, DuckTales was bad. No, I'm not saying. I'm not saying that they they had lo- like all of their TV shows are bad. I'm just saying they've dropped the ball a few times. Well, a few times would suggest that they dropped the ball a lot. No, because I yeah, because with with Recess, it's like it's like you said, like a lot of people would have watched this show. It's very very important. I did like the whole political aspect of it all, like playground. There is like unwritten playground rules. You just gotta follow it. It was the same in my school growing up. And there's the cool kids and the not so cool kids and the and you know the the weird kids and the the boy in year six. He's um he's always going to be the one in charge. The big kids. But no, yeah, every every everything has a hierarchy. Everything has a, a structure. Everything has a a place. And yeah, they kind of like bring it all together. Some of the Cold War references I kind of see and I remember. And obviously their teacher, who's like this massive hippie. So yeah, all of those stuff and all of those things were really, really good. And there were the things that I liked about Recess. And yeah, the characters are great. And let's get into episodes. Right. So I just watched episodes one, two, three. I was looking for the episode list and there's so many I have seen. I think I've seen them all or very close. Uh, Yeah, I think I've probably seen a you know, a fair few of them. Um, every time it was on, I was watching it. So um, episode one was called The Break-In. TJ's had enough in the canteen. He's like, right, we want good food. And he goes into the back of the canteen and there's a big fridge with like a padlock on it saying uh, good food. But Miss Finster catches him and his punishment is he gets no recess. Spinelli says, let's go save him. Gretchen says, look, you've got a 70% chance of failure. They go see the guru kid and he says this thing about <laughs> the bumblebee. Like, be like the bumblebee or something like this. And he said, basically says, you need help from the other kids. Um, and then this other, other kid comes up to him and he says exactly the same thing. So he's not as insightful as they think. They go and see Dave and the other tunnel one. And they go see the swing swinger kid and the kindergartners. They go see King Bob. And Spinelli calls him a dumb kid. And then everyone says, everyone says a speech about being a dumb kid. And then he helps. And then he orders everyone else to help. So um, they get, they basically break in just in time for TJ to escape just in time and TJ's already escaped alone and then recess is over anyway. <laughs> and then the diggers have all dug all, dug all the way to China. I, like, I quite like the end bit where they just like come out and it's just like China. Um, uh, the new kid. So uh, kids change the clock in the classroom when Gretchen distracts the teacher. And as they're all heading out the door, this army man is there and his son is starting and he's called Gustav, um, called Gus, obviously. He's a shy boy. He's got a pet snake called Herbert. TJ takes him under his wing 
but because uh, he nearly busted the plan, he basically he said like, "Oh, it's not you know, it's not recess time. It's only like nine o'clock." And he's like, "Come here, I'll take you." So King Bob comes, um, and he makes Gus the new kid, and the old kid says like finally gets his name back and he's really happy about it. He's been the new kid for a year. Now everyone's been nasty to him. He's last been picked in sports and no one gives him a seat on the bus. Uh, TJ tries to come up with a plan to get his name back. Everyone's calling him Gus and everyone's happy with him until the sixth graders come and then everyone kind of like bails out. Then Gus basically has a sh- shout. He just kind of shouts at Bob, King Bob. And then he's like, he's like, I want my name back. This and that and the other. And then Bob's like, well, all right, you can have your name back. Fine. And then the new kid's like, it took me a year. And he's like, well, you didn't ask. So thingy. Um, so the next one was parents' night. Uh, the teachers give a note out for the parents' night. All kids are excited to tell their parents about what they've been doing. Spadanis doesn't want their parents to come, and she's saying all these excuses why they can't come. And it, and she says to everyone, "A dad's a secret agent, but don't tell anyone." But they don't believe her. They get fake parents to come uh, to Spadanis' parents for parents' evening, but then her real parents come in. Uh, they embarrass her and it's kind of like everyone's a bit like okay fair enough and they tell her, they tell everyone that she has a crush on tj um she runs off uh, parents go find her they have a nice chat um and as they're walking away um her dad gets a phone call from like the secret service and he turns out he is agent 00 um and he says no to a mission because it's parents night i remember this classic episode where i was growing up called first name ashley so Randall is basically trying to be a little snitch. I like how uh, Miss Vince is like, here you go, good boy. And he's like li- eating the biscuit like a, like a little dog. And the diggers and Ashley are basically telling him where to go. Spinelli ends up destroying Randall's tape. And Miss Vince is like, I can find better snitches than you, Randall. You need to step up or step off. And so Randall's looking in the files. He finds something on Spinelli. And he realizes that her name is Ashley. And Randall wants his homework done because obviously he's like, I know your secret. He wants his homework done. He wants a whole bunch of other things done. Randall's trying to take liberties, but then Spinelli's not having none of it. And so I like how he just throws the documents on the floor, like, and like you just see Ashley Spinelli. And all, and all the playgrounds like, <gasps> <laughs> and then. Obviously, the Ashleys don't believe it, but they're like, we have to recruit her, otherwise the name might be ruined. And there's a playground constitution that says that Ashleys can nominate a member called Ashley. They give Spinelli a makeover, and she's wearing a dress and nails. They're making Spinelli work, and she hates it. And then, so they, they all have a plan where they come up with ideas. So they go to the Hustler Kid, and the Hustler Kid gives them all fake IDs. And they, they destroy the clubhouse. And they get and they obviously kick Spinelli out, and then obviously Randall's trying to run away, and obviously the issue wasn't about that Ashley life. Then another one I watched was the beauty contest, and so all the Ashleys are entering a beauty contest. Spinelli attacks the clubhouse, and they're like, "Oh, we hate her so much. How can we get her own back?" So they think, you know what? Let's put her name on the beauty contest, and then. She'll make a fool of herself or we can humiliate her like that. And Spinelli makes the finals and realizes that it was one of the Ashleys who did it. And so Vince is like, you know what? You can win and I'm going to train you. So Gus tries to sew a dress together, but it doesn't work out. Gretchen fixes the dress and she looks ready. The Ashleys try to wind her up, but Spinelli is like ready for it all. Spinelli's is doing well, whereas all the Ashleys are struggling. And... 
And like there's like a, a song where the girls who didn't win, the girls who don't win, they have to sing a song. Ashley Q and Ashley A and Spinelli are the final three. Ashley A hugs Spinelli and she says that she's just like an Ashley, obviously trying to get into her head. And obviously Spinelli realizes that, yeah, I'm not pageant material. And she tells the truth that I'm just a kid who likes wrestling and playing and hanging out with my friends. And she ends up winning because she was herself. Good life lesson. Very, yeah, very, very, very nice and simple. Just be yourself and you won't go wrong. I watched the film Taking the Fifth Grade, which was essentially an episode. I think it was divided into three sections. So in the first part, TJ is going up against the Board of Education because they're like implementing new changes to the school. The, the school canteen food is like disgusting. And so TJ stays at home and he's just basically like, yeah, I'm not going back to school. And so everybody's going like the whole board of education and principal Prickley's like, look, TJ, I know you don't want to go to school. I know the new changes suck, but sometimes you just have to suck it up and choose your battles. But obviously he's like, I'm just going to dig my heels in and hopefully things will work out. And it does. And the second part follows the gang being introduced to the fifth and sixth graders club. So it's basically like this really um, cool hangout place where fifth and sixth graders hang out and they're like being really like elitist and they don't want to talk to uh, fourth graders anymore. Gus and Mikey like it the most because they're like, they get to have friends and they get to hang out with cool people. I like how Gus has put on weight. And he's like, he kind of like, he's like, his stomach is like hanging out of his little shirt. And so, T- and then, and obviously TJ, Vince and Spinelli and all the others are like, yeah, we don't really like this club. And it just makes them like be really, really horrible to everybody. And they don't want to be horrible to everybody. And then the third and final part is basically a ha- the Halloween episode where Spinelli grows out of Halloween because she's bored. I like how they did the um, Eagle, the Sweet Tooth Vampire Bat, which I think was a song originally written for the uh, the show. It's a very, very catchy song. The one that I kind of liked. And I think, so, yes, Spinelli, she's basically going pumpkin shopping. And she sees that all these, all these kids are like laughing at her, going, ha, 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 look at you. You're messing about with these pumpkins or whatever and then Spinelli's like yeah I, I've grown out of Halloween I don't really want to do it anymore and then she tells all the others and obviously all the others are like we love Halloween it's great and then once they all go trick-or-treating they realize that the the fun and the gimmick just isn't the same anymore and they've all kind of grown out of um, Halloween and yeah that was recess taking on the fifth grade I recess was Fantastic. And if you haven't seen Recess, why not? For a start, it's you have to go and see it. It's an institution. Absolutely. Yeah. So I yeah, it's it's amazing. I one of Disney's masterpieces in terms of TV shows, I think. Absolutely, for sure, for sure. And yeah, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I thought it was great. I thought it was fun. And yeah, I, I, I don't know what else to say other than, yeah, go go out of your way and, and, and watch it. Obviously, if you're not from this generation, then you may not know too much about it. But I don't know, this, this, this cartoon kind of covers a lot of, a lot of people, a lot of um, 
kids and it would have got it would have gotten through to a lot a lot of kids so absolutely yeah go out of your way and and watch this uh, brilliant brilliant program and yeah go listen to igor the sweet tooth vampire or igor the vampire whatever the song is called go out of your way and listen to it and uh, yeah i'll bring the episode to an end yes and escapers is available wherever you get your podcast from um we've had like a shot of downloads from america and i do think that nice. american listeners will probably end up surpassing the uk listeners oh really okay. so yeah uk y'all need to step up man step <laughs> up uk all right home team but obviously you know if americans want to pull through come through then uh, you're more than welcome to and you can find episodes on the podcast platforms and yeah you can find me on the socials on instagram it's abdullah underscore molim on twitter it's abdullah molim all one word you can find us on youtube.com forward slash yesterday's capers facebook.com forward slash yesterday's capers Give me a like, give me a share, and join us next time for another episode of Yesterday's Capers. Never bites us humans Cause he's got a very, very sweet tooth